0: So that prototype basically has our high speed display in it, uh, a high resolution display. It has a high speed radio that allows us to communicate and stream content. The lens. It has eye tracking motion sensors built in to the lens as well. So we can tell where your eye is looking so we can place content in the right places and hold it stable in the world around you. It has a power system so that we can power everything uh, to make it all work. So. All the elements that we need are there together in a a working system so that we can really push forward what we hope is the first product.
1: Do you want bionic eyeballs? Well, so do I. I'd love to hook into the internet, get data in my visual field, overlay insight in the ultimate version of augmented reality. Remind me who that friend's significant other is again. Well, good luck doesn't really exist and might not for decades or centuries but there is something very cool that approximates bionic eyeballs and that is smart contact lenses where there's pretty much one company to talk to and that's mojo vision so today we're chatting with steve sinclair a mojo svp welcome back to tech first steve
0: oh hey thanks for having us back (laughs)
1: <laughs> you must have done well the first time. I don't know, but uh, for anybody I, yeah. who hasn't who wasn't there, didn't listen, give us the, the the thirty seconds. What is Mojo Vision?
0: Well, I mean, you you started to to say it's it's way out in the future, and we think it's a lot sooner than that. We hope, but but basically, <laughs> it's all about giving you superpowers. We're building the world's first true augmented reality smart contact lens, so something that you could put on your eye, see content when you want to see it, have it disappear when you're not using it. So you look like yourself and you're engaged in the real world. So we're taking all the elements we need to from a technical perspective and pulling them together inside a contact lens.
1: Can't wait. Can't wait. And can't wait until you're not wearing those glasses either. I've got contact lenses in right now and, and maybe I'll have a smart well, one I, soon. I
0: tell people, I, this is my Clark Kent look.
1: Ah, so you're Superman with point, the mojo. I I'm
0: going <laughs> to take them off. So we're, we're, we're working towards that.
1: Love it. Okay, now you just released some new news. What's new?
0: Yeah, so, you know, we've been working on this for a number of years now, and when we talked to you last, we had, we had built a prototype that some of us had worn internally, but it didn't have all the elements that we needed in what we consider to be a candidate for first product. And so we're finally there with something we call a feature complete plan. That means basically that all of the technical elements are pulled together into a single system that we can wear and try and and test with and so that prototype basically has our high speed display in it uh a high resolution display it has a high speed radio that allows us to communicate and stream content it It has eye tracking motion sensors built in to the lens as well so we can tell where your eye is looking so we can place content in the right places and hold it stable in the world around you it has a power system so that we can power everything uh, to make it all work so all the elements that we need are there together in a, a working system so that we can really push forward to what we hope is the first product.
1: So geek out for us a little bit, high speed, high res, uh, power system. Give us some of the yeah. specs if you're releasing some of that.
0: Yeah, well, so it all starts with the heart of the system, which is the display. And we probably talked a little bit about this last time, but when we started to, work on this idea of a smart contact lens. The first thing we knew we needed to do was find a display, something we could embed in the contact lens that could give you the information that you need to see. And it didn't exist. So, uh, we built a team of micro LED experts who basically from the ground up invented a high density display for dynamic data that can project the information onto your eye. And that's not just the display. It's, it's basically the control system uh, that, that controls the, the individual pixels. It's the optic that sits on top of the display and focuses the light when it's that close to your eye in the lens onto the back of your retina. All of those elements of the system had to be invented to, to make this work so that you could actually see content.
1: So what can you do with the current version?
0: Yeah. So right now you can. Put it up to your eye and you can, you can see content floating in space in front of you. So we were able to use it to display any kind of text or graphics that you want to see. We show off demos right now, and, and you've probably seen some of these. Maybe you could show it uh, while I'm talking potentially, which is being able to see your sports biometrics as you're riding or cycling or running. It can show you content if you're a traveler and you're rushing through the airport and you need to see your gate or you need to see when is your Uber driver arriving, all of that is kind of in the moment data that we can project onto your eye while your hands are busy, while your eyes are up, while you're trying to interact and engage in the world, we can bring you that information in, in the moment. And so it literally is content that's floating in space around you. We can lock it so it can be locked in the world so you can see some content to the right to the left to the bottom up and down wherever you want to look and it's up to you to decide when you bring that content up and when you don't want to see it anymore it all just disappears and you're just looking at the world
1: it's pretty interesting right because of course if you have a smart watch you can have different watch faces and you can have yeah. the information that you want uh, on your watch face now you've got different world faces with <laughs> the information right. you want on the world Now, this is driven, uh, we talked about this last time, I'm sure, but this is driven by an app on a phone, correct?
0: Well, it's driven by data that could be on your phone. It could be in the cloud. Most of the applications that we're using are run on an accessory that you also are wearing on your body, somewhere near the head. We call it a relay accessory. It could be built into a hat or a helmet. It could be built into a pair of safety goggles. It could be built into a neckband. And so... That's probably the form factor we're gonna start with. It has to be relatively close to the eyes because the transmit power of the lenses is not particularly high. Um, Yes. And so that relay essentially has compute, has an application processor in it, has memory in it and uh, a GPU so that it can stream the content to your eye. It's at the same time, it's pulling eye tracking data off of your eye and doing that simultaneously to figure out where are you looking and where should content be placed in the world. And that's one of the other big innovations that we made with this this product is we built in, built in eye tracking. So we know exactly how to place content and space around you.
1: Fascinating. Uh, you talked about building in a power supply, is that a tiny battery in the contact lens or are you harvesting ambient energy from radio waves? Are you transmitting it wirelessly from some jewelry that I'm wearing? How's it getting there?
0: Yeah. So. We looked at so many different ways to power the lens and, and all of those uh different options that you mentioned were all, I think, on the list at one point or another. In fact, we built a prototype at one point that used magnetic inductive coupling to <laughs> power the lens wirelessly. And that didn't work really great. So we kind of left that to the side. Where we ended up is is more conventional insofar as that we have small medical grade batteries built into the lens that are powering the lens itself. And so you charge it at night while you're cleaning the lens, like you need to do for a contact lens, when you take it out of its, uh, cleaning, charging case, uh, in the morning, you pop the, the lenses in and the battery is there ready to do what it needs to do. But we had to design our system to be very, very efficient. We don't want mm-hmm. it to need a lot of power. And so we, every, every component that's built into the system has been optimized in one way or another for the fact that it's going in such a small form factor. And so those batteries, like I said, they're medical grade batteries that have been on the market in one form or another for years in other implantable devices like pacemakers and such. So they've gone through a level of rigorous testing. We have to do more of that because it's going on your eye, obviously, but, but, uh, it's not, uh, it's not something brand new to the world as far as this type of battery in a medical application like what we're building.
1: I feel like I should have asked you this last time, and maybe I did, but I forget. There are hard contact lenses and there are soft contact lenses. Which mm-hmm. is this?
0: So you're right. Most people are familiar with the soft uh, hydrogel contact lenses, like the daily disposables or are weekly or monthly disposable. So they get done at the end of the day, they throw it away. They don't have to worry about it. They pull another one out. That's one type of lens. There's lots of other types of lenses in the world. There are hard lenses as people call them, which are generally corneal lenses. So they sit and they rest on the cornea of your eye, where you have lots of nerve endings and they can be quite uncomfortable for people. And so that exists in the world. What we've done is we've taken a platform called a scleral lens and a scleral lens platform is different than both of those. It is rigid. Some might call it hard, but it's, it's basically a piece of plastic. That vaults over the cornea. So if you imagine this is your eyeball, it vaults over it. It doesn't actually touch the cornea. It rests on the white of your eye, the sclera. And the white of your eye doesn't have a lot of nerve endings in it. You can actually touch the white of your eye. You can go ahead and do that, or your listeners can can go ahead and touch the <laughs> white of your eye. You can do that. And so we measure your eye uh, when you come into your optometrist. And we get the shape of that eyeball. It's not perfectly round. It's got lots of ridges and bumps and such. And we cut the inside of the lens to match the shape of your eye. So it rests very comfortably on. So it is a little bit bigger than what people think of when they think of either corneal hard lenses or, or daily disposable soft lenses, but it's quite comfortable, uh, on the eye because it's been cut like a puzzle piece to match on your eye and that's important for a couple of reasons. One is. Um, we don't want it rotating when you're wearing it because we want the display pointed exactly where it needs to be pointed, which is at the sharpest center of your, of your eye or your retina called the phobia. And we also don't want it to sag or to, to move around. We want it to not touch the cornea, which is, is the sensitive part. So this type of lens has been around for decades. It's been used for um, people with irregularly shaped corneas. They have a medical condition that requires them to basically have an artificial cornea which is a scleral lens or they have really severe dry eye and so they would get prescribed this type of lens if say they they had dry eye or they're getting up in age and they want to continue to wear contact lenses people's eyes start to dry out a little bit then then they would get this type of lens so it's been around for a while and it's a great platform for us to to build this type of solution
1: I'm torn between saying don't try this at home in terms of touching your eye or just doing a little quick demo. <laughs> I wear contact lenses, so I'm familiar yeah. with touching my eye. It's no big deal whatsoever. It's not hard at all. Right. doesn't hurt. No, no issue yeah. whatsoever. But uh, for people who don't have contact lenses, some of them uh, don't do that. I want to talk about the fundamental advances that you had to make uh, just in this last generation here. Yeah. Maybe even before we get there, talk about the uses that you're seeing right now with this generation. We talked a little bit about, you know, seeing things float in your field of vision, you finding your gait, other things like that, augmenting the world. You've also kind of hinted at athletes, maybe your lap Mm -hmm. time or maybe your heart rate or whatever other data that you might need to um, tailor your performance to your capabilities and come out with the best possible end result. You also have explored sort of therapeutic uses, right? People with low vision highlighting features in the world, like there's a street here, there's a there's a drop off here, there's a sidewalk here, those sorts of things. Uh-huh. Is that still on the menu?
0: Yeah, a, a lot of that is still on the menu, and and it's it's both fun and frustrating when you're working on a product like this. There's like you could do everything, like it's got so many different possibilities, and how do you narrow it down? And so part of the job, the myself and my team as product managers are responsible for is trying to make those trade-offs and trying to decide how do we, how do we get down to something more focused to, to have success. Ultimately to build a platform, like we're trying to build, we have to have our site set at all, all consumers, anyone who mm-hmm. wants to wear a contact lens that wants it to be smart, you know, should be part of our, our ultimate, target market for what we're doing here. But you also know you don't. As a small startup, you don't jump straight to trying to sell <laughs> to all consumers. All the ones like that's Just not, that's we're, we're not Apple. We're not, you know, meta yet. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to be doing that, uh, in the short term. So we had to take very pragmatic steps to, to, to get there. So one of those you mentioned is, is helping people with low vision and vision impairments, uh, to be able to see and navigate the world better. And so that's an important element for us for a couple of reasons. One is augmented reality is a great tool to help people with low vision so we're, we're excited about how we can use edge detection and zooming in and out of, of pictures and text that we can bring up to people's eyes so that they can quickly assess where they're where they're looking where they're going and, uh, and avoid you know obstacles but also navigate faster and there's a regulatory aspect to that there's a clear medical benefit as far as the fda is concerned if we have a product that does things like that So that can help us through their breakthrough devices program to get approval for this, for people with with low vision conditions. So that's, that's great. And we're super excited about that mission and continue to build off of that mission. But at the same time, we want to take what we're doing and make it apply to more people. So we specifically picked the sports and performance and athletic active users as a first early target market for us, for everyone else who has quote unquote, normally sighted vision. Because we can give you eyes up information while you're working out, while you're competing, while you're training. And those are people that are already choosing contact lenses because they're doing something active. Mm-hmm. And so they want to have something that's not slipping around on their face and getting sweaty and potentially getting in the way. And they also don't want to look down at a wristwatch or a smart watch or, you know, looking at a smartphone and lose their focus, lose track of where they're going, potentially create a safety issue. So there's a lot of good reasons why that particular area of athletics is important to us. We don't see ourselves as a, as a sports or athletics company necessarily. We have that broader, longer term view of what we're building is as, as our ultimate goal. But in the short term, those two markets for us really will give us the proof points we need that we can build a smart contact lens that's useful to somebody and that they're motivated to want to use because they want to have some invisible edge in what they're doing. And then it'll. It'll grow if you put it on in the morning and you're using it for your workout later that day, you might use it again at work, might use it throughout the day in a lot of different activities. And so we're going to open it up to a lot of different types of applications. So you get useful, useful information throughout the day.
1: There's just so many applications. It's it's really unbelievable. Yeah. I'm, I'm big into hiking and, and, you know, just you do not want to look down at your wrist or at a phone when you're on a mountain trail. <laughs> you you kind of want to know where your foot needs to go, right? And so being <laughs> able to see that is amazing. We haven't even talked about it, but the augmented reality world that sort of Google Glass pivoted to, you know, machinists, technologists <laughs> who are working on perhaps airplane engines or complex engineering builds or something like that. Have the schematics overlay. There's so many different options and those sorts of things. Now, you talked about fundamental breakthroughs. Clearly, there's there's some in terms of battery. Clearly, there's some in terms of building. I'm assuming it's Bluetooth, a radio that's communicating to and from the jewelry to to your eye, basically. I'm assuming there's some in visual technology, uh, whatever you're using for a screen. Right? Uh, talk about the fundamental breakthroughs that you had to make to get this unit out.
0: Yeah. So, so the display I already mentioned, and and so I won't cover that again, but that that's a huge core element of what we're doing and that the optic that we had to build, which is basically a teeny tiny reverse Cassegrain telescope, like the Hubble (laughs) and build that into a lens. Like those are, those are some interesting things that we had to do just, just from a display and projector perspective, the radio itself. We, we built that from the ground up. It's actually our own proprietary low latency protocol. It's not Bluetooth because Bluetooth was, was too slow and too, too latent for us, um, too power hungry in some elements. And so we had to, we had to build that from scratch as well to make this work. Um, wow. the eye tracking is, uh, you know, a lot of efforts going into, into making that happen because for augmented reality to really be useful. You wanna place things around you in the world, which means you have to understand where people are looking and how their eyes are moving so that you can contextually place things in places that make sense. So um, building, uh, working with some partners, we built in the the, the right sensors into the lens, and then we built the algorithms on top of that to really track how your eye is moving. It's, It's very similar to what's in your smartphone today as far as the elements, the, the accelerometer, the gyroscope, and the magnetometer, but it's on your eye. And so we had to do some extra things to, to make that possible. But it's far more precise and accurate than, say, the camera-based observational eye tracking that you see in other headsets today. And so we think we have about a 10x improvement in eye tracking uh, built into into Mojo Lens. And why that's important is that it unlocks a new user interface for us so here's an area that we think we've really got something interesting which is using just your eyes to manipulate and control and access the information so not using your voice not using gestures not tapping or swiping on something nobody wants to tap their eye to to do something like this either (laughs) um and nobody wants to do blinks and and weird gyrations with their eye they just want to look eye is one of the world's best pointing devices. And so we've instrumented the eye with our eye tracking hardware and software to know exactly where you're precisely looking so that the system can pick up on those cues and you can interact with the content. So you can scan across information. You can automatically scroll blocks of text just by reading. It makes it very easy to pick and choose and do things with just your eyes. And so we think that paradigm is just a a huge step forward in, in user interface.
1: Very cool order of magnitude improvement there. Absolutely necessary as well, because I don't want to be staring fixedly at a certain direction for a long period of time. I want it to be able to pick it up pretty quickly and know what I want and go for it. Uh, Let's talk about timeline. What's left to do before this becomes available? Uh, And I'm assuming it's going to be under some controlled circumstances. Initially, there's probably some significant you know, real world test phases, all that stuff. But what kind of timeline are we looking at?
0: Yeah. uh you know, I'm not gonna, you know, break any news here with, with, you know, a date or actual October you know, 13.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, not going to give you that. And, and my stock answer to that question is, well, you know, the FDA is the one who determines whether we're safe and effective. And so it's, it's really, you know, their, their call at the end of the day, when, when we can prove to them that it's safe for someone to wear and it does what we say it's going to do. And so that, mm-hmm. and that's, critically important to us to do that the right way and to work with them on on making that happen. That being said, you know, we've been at this for six years. We feel like there are fewer years ahead of us than there are behind us. So we think (laughs) we're, we, we see a time soon where, where we can have something out in the market. You know, if we do all the right things, what we're doing in this phase right now, now that we have this prototype is we're going to start wearing it. We're going to start testing it internally. we are start really understanding the, the edges of performance and starting to make some of the trade-offs we need to make as product people to, to, to really build a good experience for product. So not everything that we've got in there may make it to the first product, mm-hmm. things that we hadn't thought of, we may have to change and, and make modifications. So there'll be a, you know, a period over the next year or so where we are really refining and learning from what we've built, not just the simulations, but actually from wearing it and that's done under clinical observation by our optometry staff that we have here and making sure that everyone's doing things safe and we're learning about comfort and fit. We have to make sure it's a good contact lens. It can't just yep. be a smart contact <laughs> lens. It has to fit well and actually be good for improving, you know, the world, your your normal vision. So we have to work on those things. We'll be working with, you know, people with low vision conditions and that are visually impaired to make sure that we're we're building the right things for them. And then we have to lock in the product. And once you lock in the product, then you go into clinical trials. And that's where you start recruiting people for the real, the real deal. And they're wearing the lens. They're taking the lens home. They're reporting back on what their experiences are. And then you take all of that data. You have to collect it and put it into a package that you submit to the FDA. And then you wait, you hope that it comes out the other side as as an approval. Now, while you're waiting, you're not just sitting on your hands. You're working on new software. You're working on new experiences working on the next iteration of the product so there's a lot of things that we could do between now and then but uh it's it's exciting because we're at that point where we think we really can you know no pun intended but we can see you know we can see a, a point where we have a product that we can ship.
1: well that's exciting let's turn to the future then and not so much your product specifically but what it unlocks as, as i mentioned to you uh before we started recording I'm focusing tech first, and my Forbes column on megatrends right. in tech, virtuality, um, XR, MR, AR, smart matter, um, biotech, uh, a number of them. Where yeah. does this fit into the future? What's it unlocking, and what's it a step towards?
0: Yeah, so we're we're cutting across a number of those categories, as as you mentioned there, and it's it's exciting. That we're starting to see some of that convergence happening uh, across multiple areas, whether it's AI and machine learning with AR and VR, with you know cryptocurrency and and NFTs for for what people are calling the the metaverse. But for us, you know, it it may look like well, you're building a contact lens that does augmented reality, but longer term, our our goal and our our broader vision is much bigger than that. We do see ourselves as a health tech company, and I think that convergence between you know, traditional consumer tech and health tech, it's gonna become a mega trend if it isn't already. You're, you've are you started to see it with the Apple Watch and some of the capabilities that are being built in, into the watch today. We've built a company from the ground up that assumes that there is a medical aspect to what we're building and a consumer technology aspect of what we're building. And we're trying to pull those together. And I think are we we're, we're at the forefront of that trend. We're gonna see a lot more companies, I think, that start out their DNA early on trying to merge those two things together. Because once you've built a platform that you can put on your eye, sure, we can show you augmented reality, but what if we could look inward? What if we could look Mm -hmm. inside the eye and detect or diagnose certain diseases that are are oncoming? What if we could understand or help you understand the onset of certain conditions, say like a migraine? What if we could measure the, the tear fluid on your eye and be able to detect other information or understand the interocular pressure of your eye and that you have the onset of glaucoma. These are all possibilities. The eye tracking data alone could uh, allow researchers to understand a lot of things about disease that they otherwise wouldn't be able to track continuously today. Um, so we really think it's a great platform for that sort of thing. And it's not just a platform that we can take advantage of, but that we can partner with other medically uh, focus companies to be, become more of a research platform as well. So we can, we can build so many different things that eventually, you know, go beyond just a, a contact lens, but could, you could know, become something that goes inside the eye. There's all sorts of, of, uh, ways we could take this, but it's great because it's on the eye, it's an advantage we think we have over smart glasses because we're as close as you can get without going inside and just a lot of things that could be measured and, and uh, potentially learned and addressed.
1: Well, it's super interesting. Uh, I'm fascinated by the possibilities there. I, I once again, volunteer as tribute uh, when you're sending out tests or units. I look forward to a time when, yes, I could see the information that I want, my visual field. Uh, I can know where I need to go, I can um, put up my notes as I'm talking to somebody like you and I don't have to look down or something like that. That's the question I wanted, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, hey, whoa, that's amazing. As I'm on some hike in the Grand Canyon, let's zoom in, <laughs> right? Yeah. you know, and all kinds of other capabilities that I'm sure will come in the years and decades to come. Uh, thank you again for your time, Steve.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. I really enjoy talking to you.